Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and the Ayurveda Podcast, episode number 38, where I speak with certified hypnotist, energy healer, and empowerment coach, Jenna Fontanez, about her very interesting spiritual journey. Coming up next. Hello and welcome to Hamsa Holistic Healing and Ayurveda Podcast. I'm your host, Sherry, and it is my deepest desire to journey with you down the path to better health, mind, body, and spirit through the practice of mindfulness and spiritual awakening. Here in this sacred space, we will examine how the practice of higher consciousness and self-awareness can actually lead us to an optimal state of physical and spiritual health. We will talk about the various ways to increase our awareness and support one another along this beautiful journey. Thank you for being here and welcome. Jenna Fontanez is a certified hypnotist, energy healer, and empowerment coach. She offers these services in person and via Zoom. Good morning, Jenna. Welcome to the podcast. Good morning. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you here. Um, so I, I like to start by, um, so you're a healer and a teacher and a wellness coach. Um, and so I'm always curious, what led you to this very interesting and the healing modalities? What, what was your journey leading to this life? Yeah, so I always love being asked that question. Um, I think with any spiritual healer, spiritual person in general, there's usually a theme of your own healing journey and that kind of leading you into who you are and what you are meant to do. And so my journey starts out just like that. Um, I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness. Um, I also grew up though with a mother with a lot of mental illness. And so there was a, a theme of trauma, emotional trauma, but also religious trauma. And so that kind of uh, awakening, um, I would say, is what led me to who I am today in embracing my spirituality and being a healer, being a person of service. Mm -hmm. It's a little more complex than that, but that is kind of summing it all all up. Um, So when you say you grew up in Jehovah's Witness uh, lifestyle or... um, what does that actually entail? And were you born into the Jehovah's Witness organization or religion? or? So that is what why my story is interesting. I wasn't a full-blown Jehovah's Witness. Okay. I don't know how else to say that. Um, it was the religion that I was taught as a young child. So it's the only religion I have ever known. But my mom struggled with a lot. Uh, she was also a smoker. She had a lot going on. She was a single mother with two kids. She wasn't accepted to be an actual Jehovah's Witness. In other words, she never got baptized because she wasn't able to give certain things up and really conform to the lifestyle that they wanted her to conform to. So I was kind of in between two worlds, right? knowing that this is what God expects of us and having these certain expectations, rules, etc., but also being a part of what they call the world and celebrating holidays with my family, but going home at night as a young kid and crying in my bed for forgiveness because I felt so guilty that I was doing things that they deem unacceptable or, or evil even. Okay. And so how long did you live 
in that duality. So that was up until the age of 24, where I was, you know, having all of their beliefs, but living with this tremendous amount of guilt and also fear. Because what the Jehovah's Witnesses are, in my opinion today, is a doomsday cult. So they are always waiting for Armageddon to come and having to be ready, be on guard for Armageddon because only the Jehovah's Witnesses are going to survive this brutal mass destruction of planet Earth. So whenever the news would come on and I would see earthquakes on the news, you know, there was that guilt again. Oh my goodness, Armageddon is going to come and I'm probably not going to make it. Because you weren't conforming all the way 100%. 100%. Lifestyle. Exactly. Okay. So at the age of 24, I had my my first daughter, and I very shortly after became a single mother. I got divorced very quickly after, and that was when I was at my low point, and I said, okay, I have to go all in. I have to really be a full-blown Jehovah's Witness, because how am I going to raise my daughter with these beliefs and not live it? Right. To me, that was hypocritical. Sure. So at that point, I reached out to my old Bible study teacher, and I started studying and studying and studying and I wanted all in. I wanted to knock on doors. I wanted to take the dip and get baptized. Like I wanted to be a part of them and they very much wanted me to be a part of them because that's essentially what Jehovah's Witnesses are. They're they knock on doors. They, you know, try to convert people. Right, it's evangelical. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. So you went all in with your new daughter. Yeah. And so what was that like? So in the beginning, it was beautiful. I think with a lot of religions, um, I mean, I can only speak to Jehovah's Witnesses because that's what I've been around. Uh, but I, I did go to a Baptist church and when I was in high school. So I've, I've witnessed a little bit of different, you know, different organized religions and what they entail. Yeah. Um, but in the beginning, it's beautiful. It's all based on love. It's all based on community, being together, encouraging one another, lifting each other up. You know, all the beauty that does exist in the Bible. However, things changed drastically after I got baptized. And suddenly, there was a whole new rule book to follow that I never knew about. So then it becomes, and it became, the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses not the religion, but the culture that is not documented, that's not written anywhere, but it's just a cultural way of speaking, way of interacting, way of presenting yourself, way of thinking. Mm. And do you live together at this point? Like, is it like a community or do you have your own house and you go to, what is it called, Kingdom Hall? Yeah. To like worship or do you live in like a community type situation? So that's the interesting part is you don't live in a community. Okay. So you have, you know, you have your own home, you, you live separate, you're on your own, you have your own finances, your own stresses. Um, but with Jehovah's Witnesses, they come together every Sunday at the Kingdom Hall, which I'm like, oh, Sherry, you knew that. I did a little research. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So you're together on Sundays. Um, usually another weekday, and then they encourage you to do what they call a family worship night. So it's three days a week of indoctrination, plus they expect you to be out witnessing, or they call it being in service, mm -hmm. as much as you possibly can. And that would entails knocking on doors? Knocking on doors, speaking to people in a doctor's office waiting room, on the street, going to bus stops. I mean, I was bold. I was doing it anywhere that I possibly could out of the sincerity of my heart. 
Right. And then you said things changed after you were baptized. Yeah. And so what, what happened then? So at that point, uh, there was just certain, you know, I was a single mom. I was by myself. Um, but I was lonely. You know, I wanted a partner. I wanted somebody. And I was told by my, my best friend at that time, you know, a real spiritual man is going to wait at least a year after you're baptized to even show interest in you. And so there was a lot of these little things that came up that maybe don't sound very, you know, like a big deal, but they were for me. I'm like, this is this is not the religion I thought it was right but I'm still gonna conform because this is what God wants me to do now let me before you go on what in because I think this is important to make this connection while you're living this lifestyle and according to the rules and according to the doctrine what are they feeling or what are they talking about uh, as far as um, like holistic wellness, um, metaphysical, anything, spirituality, uh, in any way, yoga, any kind of, you know, anybody else like the Buddha or um, Eastern philosophy such as yoga and, and these things. Is there ever a discussion? Is that just forbidden? It is completely of? forbidden. It's forbidden. Okay. Yoga to them is worshiping, uh, worshiping the sun. Mm-hmm. which is what they did in Egypt and according to them was, you know, evil, demonic, satanic. Okay. Um, there's very much a separation between being of the world and being a Jehovah's Witness. Okay. And so if you were in kind of mainstream culture even, yeah. you were looked down upon, even within the organization. Mm-hmm. It was always be careful of who you associate with. Everything was very fear-based. Be careful of this. Be careful of that. Don't do yoga. Uh, even, you know, they encouraged meditation on the scriptures, which I think is interesting. Meditate on the scriptures. So yeah. they use that verbiage, but yeah. yet meditation in general is absolutely off limits. Very controlled topic, meditation. Just this, you're going to meditate yes. on. Yes. Yeah. And interestingly enough, um, as you were asking me that question, I'm going back mentally to a, a talk that a man gave on the stage one day, and this was towards the end of me leaving the organization. And he said, if they don't have Jehovah, what does the world turn to? And he said, self-help books. <laughs> yeah. And I yeah. found that to be so interesting because when I first left, that is what I turned to. Yeah. And that's what got me on the spiritual path. With your curiosity. Yeah. What's happening out there. So you, you're living in the community. You're doing your due diligence. You're evangelizing. You're, doing, you're following all the rules. And you're looking getting a little bit lonely and wanting a partner, but you have to wait a year because they want to make sure that probably you're going to toe the line maybe or something. <laughs> it's your like, um, that, that period of time, like your probation, you know, to make sure you stay in the in line. Is that what they're looking for you to do? Kind of like, I almost felt like it was just like a sense of proving that you are a spiritual person. Yeah. And so for them, it's, you know, raising your hand and answering a question at the Kingdom Hall and being out in service and just being this cookie-cutter model-esque Jehovah's Witness. Like, that's what they expected of everybody. And then, so what happened? So what happened was they moved our congregation to the world headquarters, which is nearby where uh, where we are right now mm-hmm. in, in our physical location. Yeah. And... I started meeting the leaders because they were at the world headquarters. And I remember my 
she was three years old at that time I remember bringing her up to meet one of like the celebrity leaders pretty much now mind you growing up I didn't know that there were physical men that were in charge like I just thought all of this is coming straight from God so it was a little strange to me but you know I just I accepted everything that they said because I believed this was the truth and maybe I should say that what Jehovah's Witnesses refer to their religion as is the truth yeah so if you and I were both witnesses we would be asking each other oh Sherry like did you grow up in the truth how did you get the truth how long have you been in the truth Oh, God. So that's the title that they give it's them. It's very strong. Um, it has an element of um, look no further. Yes. Do not look left nor right. We are the truth. Yes. So you stay right here in this bubble. And accept things and accept. even if they make no sense. Mm. But I have a spunky little girl. Mm. Okay, let's just throw that out there. Like your mama. Uh, I guess so, <laughs> a little bit. So I remember walking her up to one of the leaders and she was so excited and she said to him, I see you on my television because they have a broadcasting network and so excited and he leaned, he bent down and he said, not hello, not what's your name, not, he said, pray for us, would you? And I didn't know then why that was like, it gave me a feeling in the pit of my stomach. Like, why is he saying that? Of all things that you could say to a little girl that is so excited to meet you, pray for us, would you? So that kind of stood out to me. And I feel like a lot was exposed to me when we went to the world headquarters because I was in, you know, home base. And there were, you know, a lot of other events. I met somebody who I was interested in and I I also at the same time my what I called spiritual mother like my mama bear was very sick and she ended up passing at that point in time as well so I had like a lot of stress going on I was dealing with a lot of grief and a lot of guilt but I also was interested in this man and I'm like I I just can't do this anymore and I, I basically got to a point where I was just praying to God, if this really is the truth and save my daughter, don't let her die at Armageddon, but I can't do this anymore. It's just too much for me. So that woman, my, my spiritual mother, she ended up passing. I come from a long line of intuitive people, yeah, which I didn't really know because mm-hmm. I closed that off. You know, They knew what to say to me and what not to say to me. So I had this inner voice when I left because you know I was afraid if this is the truth, and this is not true, then there is no truth. There is nothing. But I'm going to find out for myself. If that's the case, I just want to know. So I heard this inner voice telling me to watch the movie The Secret. Mind you, I knew absolutely nothing about that movie whatsoever, except the fact that I had tried to watch it so many times and I had been so scared from that opening scene where they're like slamming the tomb shut yes yep and so I would shut it off every time I'm like I don't even know what this movie is but I can't even get past this opening scene and so I I don't know that it it was intuition I kept being drawn to watch this movie so I did I watched it as evil as it was (laughs) (laughs) yeah but suddenly everything started to make more sense because of life experiences when you find out about manifestation and the law of attraction suddenly you can look back or at least I did like holy cow I manifested the good and the bad right yeah and that made more sense to me than everything I had followed for at that point the first 29 years of my life yeah I didn't realize that you were that old still you know involved 
um, in Jehovah's Witness. I, I have to ask, I want, this is an opinion question because I'm curious myself. Um, what, do you think it's fear-based that if uh, a member is curious about yoga, we'll just take yoga for, um, is it, why do you think they, they don't embrace any kind of spirituality outside of the truth? in quotes um is it fear of the actual truth being found is it what, what do you think that is why are they just so afraid of people being curious about spirituality so for them it always is going to come back to fear mm. absolutely um fear of losing control of their people yeah fear of losing money yeah Fear of you know all of that. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very interesting. A lot of organized religions, I think, run based on that. That if they find out that how expansive and beautiful life is, how rich it can be, and how we really are designed to experience joy. Yes, there will be suffering along the way, but the suffering is always leading us to higher consciousness. You know, when we get through the suffering and we're on the other side, it was an opportunity to grow and in whatever way we're called to grow. So so you, you watch The Secret and you start to become more curious on assuming and then what happens and then i start delving into self-help books and gabrielle (laughs) bernstein and her work and i feel like that was like a good kind of segue because she's a little bit lighter on the spiritual topics Mm -hmm. um but then i just started getting into other spiritual leaders um Joe Dispenza's work and Greg Braden's work and I could name drop it all the time but yeah, just yeah. a lot more it it kind of led me down this spiritual path and um I needed to heal like I knew that uh, this was a point in my life that was my lowest and somehow inside of me I also knew this is the lowest that I will ever be so I have to figure it out now and I have a, a, a ba- I had a baby I had a four-year-old little girl yeah that you know was asking me a lot of questions and I needed to have the answers and I didn't you know she would ask me even when we were in that religion things like if God is a boy then why do girls have babies and very simplistic questions that I look back at now and I'm like wow like what a spiritual little kid I had and and I couldn't really answer everything yeah it's simple they're simple questions but they're hard difficult to answer yes yeah because it's like I don't really know yeah (laughs) yeah and she asked me when we left too, you know why are we not going back and I couldn't give her a satisfying answer until finally I said look like there is still a God and there is still a Jesus but a lot of other things that they were teaching us were lies Mm -hmm. And at four years old, she said to me, Mom, I've been trying to tell you that the whole time. Yeah. So intuitively, she was seeing through the illusion, which kids often do. Yes. But then they're forced by their parents to conform and stay where the parents think it's best. Exactly. So then then what happened after that? So then I started just, I guess, looking for ways to heal myself. Mm-hmm. So with a lot of the books that I was reading, they were doing things like EFT, tapping. I found a crystal shop nearby my job and I started visiting them. And the girl that worked there was a Reiki master. Mm -hmm. And so fearfully I went up and I asked her, you know, can I learn if I'm not healed fully? Because I was very concerned. I don't want to learn anything and and try and help people if I first am not healed. And she was just so loving and you know she 
she gave me beautiful advice and she listened to everything I had to say and she invited me to come to her next class and I accepted. And so was Reiki your first um, point of healing as far as like did you learn Reiki was Reiki your first thing that you it was okay it was the first modality under my belt you could say yep so did you go you got you went and got attuned then did she was she a teacher yep to attune you and so what was the attunement for I mean I this is all I mean we're talking about this very simply but when you really think about this this is years and years of programming that there is one way and it's a very um, small, um, very confining, it feels like, as you're describing it. You know, you don't ask questions. You just do what we say. And then you, you know, you, you go and you branch out a little bit and you walk into Reiki, which is, um, we're talking about energy. We're talking about energy work. We're talking about very expansive thinking. Did you have fear and guilt? Because you can't just deprogram quickly that fast can you so you can't no it's definitely a a process of deprogramming and then reprogramming but I just remember thinking as I delved down the rabbit hole of YouTube yeah and um I started watching things like uh the book of Enoch Mm -hmm. and the emerald tablets and like all of these topics that I now I look back and I'm like holy cow like those are big topics and um you know, teachings that I was open to, but, but this voice in my head, like, I'm like, why is this not scary? And this voice in my head kept saying, because this is the truth. Like there is so much more. Yeah. So because I wasn't afraid, it helped me kind of overcome that fear because I'm like, this is supposed to be demonic, but why am I not scared? Right. And that's what I, I followed my feelings. If it was scary, then it wasn't for me. Right. Yeah, that's excellent. I mean, even though you think, is my gauge, is my compass sharp enough because it's been dulled for so long? Am I actually feeling correct um, that this is beautiful, the spirituality, that there's a life outside of these organized um, confining religions? I would think that there could, and I speak as a baptized Catholic person um, as I'm going because I, I think this can kind of go across the board. It's not just Jehovah's Witness. It's not just Baptist. It's not just Catholic. It's it's an, it's organized religion and thought based on fear and not being free to experience the beauty of all that's around us that God created for us to enjoy, to have joy, to help one another feel better, get through difficult times, to experience the mystical um, wonders that happen in a lifetime. We're, we're so with the blinders and the fear and you do what, what we say and you go to mass and you go to kingdom hall and you go to these and you don't lay in the grass and look at the clouds and you know meditate on universal intelligence or source. You don't put your body in these asanas and these positions in yoga because you're looking for trouble. And it's like, it's so small thinking that it's so difficult at this point as you and I sit here and we both work in the same place and we both side by side do these wonderful, beautiful spiritual practices for people and for ourselves to to grow. It's like, it's hard to wrap your head around how people can still be in that little tiny teacup and 
you know, it's I do work with people who have grown up in, in tight community like that. And the you know, it's like their struggle. They struggle so much to they want to be expansive. They want the beauty and the joy of all that the mystical life has to offer, but they're still afraid that they're doing something. And so you do Reiki, you get attuned, which is a big deal. Reiki attunements are a big deal. This is receiving the universal life force or whatever to run through your body to open you to that healing energy of the universe. That's a big deal. And people can have major, I mean, I speak for myself, major experiences with attunement that are just mind-blowing, really. How did that go down? So I think because uh, my attunement was at the very beginning of my spiritual journey, I didn't feel what I expected to feel in the beginning. Uh, But it came when I did my very first session on a friend of mine when I was just practicing. And I immediately knew, and I I have to start out by saying, I very much had a, a Jesus wound at that time because I wanted nothing to do with anything I was taught Mm -hmm. in Christianity Mm -hmm. and you know I was like Buddha all the way and (laughs) so I my friend lays down on my couch I didn't even have a a Reiki table a massage table and she lets me practice on her and as soon as I you know opened up and connected in with with source I immediately felt the presence of Jesus my entire body heated up to the point where I was sweating profusely and I kept hearing this voice in my head saying my little child my little child and just feeling this immense amount of love and I felt his energy leave my body and I got real cold and I was like holy cow what just happened and my friend opens her eyes and she says to me "I, I, I thought you're not supposed to touch the person when you do Reiki and I didn't touch her but that was Jesus working through me, which I know now. I didn't realize then. And that was a very profound experience for me. I, too, had, when I received a tomb at 1 and 2, profound Jesus experience. I've never quite gotten over it. I left the first Reiki attunement hysterically crying. I, I really did. I didn't understand what just happened to me with this kind of it was the crucifixion of Jesus it was I felt every wound every pain every it overwhelmed me and I said I won't be back and then um, my Reiki teacher um, begged me he said the second one will be victorious and I went back and and it was it was the resurrection of Jesus this is um, and I was thinking about this this morning actually Um, I wondered if we see and experience what our belief system is um like would buddhist believers and followers experience buddha in their attunement um i'm curious about it i i don't i don't have an answer all i can do is speak for myself and you can only speak for yourself and we're both christian based um belief systems whatever that was and i do jesus did live and was the great healer um, and taught us how to love. This podcast is not, a, I know that you have a deep love for Jesus just like I do and that he's your go-to and he's mine as well. And I've had some pretty great experiences in this room with Jesus present. And um, it's, again, I think that once you start to, we, we are divine beings 
I mean, God created beautiful divine beings and we are meant to be expansive and help one another um, in all kinds of ways. And mysticism is just one of those ways. And so Reiki attunements can be a really big deal. And like you said, sometimes right at the time you're being attuned, you don't really feel much, but then when you, it'll come at some random time, but you'll feel that energy run through you of the mass, the ascended masters that are, that's why it's such a big deal. Energy work is so important and so life-changing for the giver and the receiver. And so, but this is a whole, you know, this is a whole different lifestyle and, and mindset for a person who grew up. And, you know, I mean, we talk about Jehovah's Witness with you, but I mean, I grew up very Christian and very, um, you know, that that's the way. And, you know, the other stuff is maybe I wasn't, it wasn't bad or anything. It was just like, those people do that and we do this, you know, and, and thank goodness, um, all of these beautiful Eastern, uh, philosophies have found themselves, found them, their way to Western culture because this, um, and this is again, my opinion, we are meant to be divine on this planet as well and share love and compassion and healing and empathy and all of these things non-judgment towards other people we are required to love in this lifetime and that is it and in the love comes the giving of you know healing and and the love of the earth the love not worshiping mother earth but loving her and appreciating what she is what she brings i mean this is our home this is where we live in this beautiful, I mean, just take a look. It's fall where we are. And so you look out and it's just nothing but beautiful orange and yellow and trees and, you know, the smell. And it's just, it's magnificent. And we're if we're not taught to look and spread, you know, like the pagans, I think you were kind of alluding to that before, the yogi, the yogis were the sun worshipers, right? And worshiping the sun. And so that aligns with paganism, sort of, where you're worshiping different gods. And, you know, for for us, I'll say healers and mystics, we look at these things like the power of the sun is worthy of our noticing and loving. It's not worship, but it's absolute adoration mm-hmm. for what she brings to us, what the moon brings to us with the earth and the dirt and the trees. I mean, this is life, what we're talking about. So after your Reiki attunement, then what happened? So after my Reiki attunement, I just continued practicing. I continued studying, um, reading different books. But I still felt like there was an aspect of me that was not healed because I was only ever taught from religion, you know, masculine, the the divine masculine. And I I very much, I didn't realize at that time, but I was missing the feminine. Okay. Or the divine feminine. Yes. And I wasn't, you know, fully loving myself. I still had a a very scarce mindset and, you know, in in religion or, or in that religion that I was taught, it was like celebrate when you are in a low point you know when you when you're being persecuted when you don't have like that's a um an indication that you're you're doing good you yes. know and uh yes and I, I just felt like something was lacking I needed more healing I, I, I needed to do something extreme I felt like to feel whole and complete and balanced and love myself yeah. And so in that search, I came upon this talk on YouTube that 
basically prompted me to start studying hypnosis. Oh, okay. And the power of the mind and the subconscious mind. And you said it before with the programming. Mm. So I was now getting comfortable with energy, but I felt like there was still this this subconscious programming that I couldn't fully get over. Mm-hmm. Like I, I wanted to be an intuitive person. I wanted to feel connected to source. And at times I really doubted that. Sure. And I could feel that it, there was limiting beliefs hold me back, holding me back. Yeah. There was still childhood trauma, a mother wound, if you would say, mm-hmm. that I still didn't heal through just, just Reiki for me. And so it's deep in the subconscious, deep in the subconscious. Yeah. And you work from that, that trigger point, that trauma point in your life and your decisions that you make, even if you don't realize you are, you'll, you'll step back and say, I don't know why I keep making that same decision, that same mistake, whatever, but you're working from that unhealed place all the time. Yes. We all do. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like there. Uh, there was a theme for me, and I've seen it in, in some other healers as well, is that I was looking to heal myself through healing other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was not good enough. Yeah. And I knew that. Yeah. I had to address certain, you know, shadows within myself mm-hmm. so that I could show up better for my clients and so that I could be more of service. And let, let me just stop you there because I there's an interesting um, – it was today. Now, I, I pray. I still – Pray. I say the rosary every day because I know that there's mystical power in the rosary. But it was talking about, um, in the book, The Imitation of Christ, there's a chapter and it's about um, picking up your cross and carrying it and suffering and wanting to suffer. And the more you suffer, the better you're doing. Exactly what you just said. And that we are meant, we are, we are coming here in this incarnation to suffer. And that's it. Because when you're suffering, you're doing good. Because Christ suffered and that's, you know, and it's like, wait a minute. No. Yes, there are difficulties in this life. Yes, there are very traumatic experiences that happen to us, but we're not supposed to stay there. We're supposed to look deep within and search and find the divine reason for that particular suffering and then rise from that suffering to a higher level of consciousness, to be a better, more productive healer, or however you want to say, a more connected being. Exactly. And so it's like, but but a lot of times it's like, no, you stay and you you want suffering. That's gonna be good, you know. Stay there in the suffering. So that I feel like that's what you're you're speaking to is like you you want to heal that wound. You want to not hold and carry that cross, so that you can ascend. Exactly. That's such a beautiful way to put it too. Yeah. And and yeah, I was celebrating being, you know, in that state of suffering, suffering in a yeah. sense. Yeah. But I knew it was wrong. I knew that there was abundance available to me, yeah. but I couldn't get there. And when I say abundance, I don't mean financial abundance. I mean abundance in love, abundance in connection, like all of the things that fall under abundance. Yes. And there was a block and I felt it, I knew it, and I, I knew that I, I, I needed to work on that subconscious programming mm-hmm. or I was never going to get to where I needed to go. I still, had, I still had fear, not necessarily fear around energy work, but fear around um, intuition, fear around mysticism. There was still fear coming up. And there's a fear too when you start this work of trusting yourself. You know, could this 
be happening to me? Could this be real? Could I really, you know, be part of this um, and, and actually do this work and make a difference? I'm not sure. There is a lot. And fear is a cross to bear. Fear, fear is just immobilizing. I mean, it prevents you from expanding. So you did that. So you became curious and you were reading and then hypnosis. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So whew, hypnosis. Yeah. It's my jam. Yeah, it is your jam. <laughs> it's your jam. <laughs> So in learning hypnosis, it was um, it was a, a six month school, and I learned a tremendous amount about the subconscious mind, yeah. about the different brainwave patterns that we go through as human beings. Um, now, are you talking about alpha, beta? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. So in your childhood, I would say the first eight or so years of your life, you're basically in a state of hypnosis. So for me, when I look at the first eight years of my life, like, holy cow. Yeah. Yes. It was pretty rough. Yeah. Sure. It was, it was, you know, not good, not easy. Yeah. Um, and I knew I had to heal that aspect of myself, my inner child. Mm. And so in going through the school, I had a, so many hypnosis sessions done on me. And everything came up, came up to the surface. Um, all of the trauma that I had endured in my childhood, because mm. I had to grow up pretty fast. Um, and I have memories of myself at four years old, standing on a step stool and scrambling eggs in a pan for myself. Right. And when right. you look at a four-year-old, or when I looked at my four-year-old, I'm like, this kid can't even work a microwave, like, right. let alone stand at the stove. Right. Um, so there was a lot of, of trauma that I had to look at and 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 heal and when I did that for me was the most powerful thing that I could have done for myself because I was healing that inner child Mm -hmm. I was reprogramming my subconscious mind and the cool thing about it is that as I was doing this inner work on myself I started noticing shifts in my daughter I started noticing shifts in my partner Mm -hmm. in the interactions that I had with everyone around me in my corporate job it was like everyone else was changing as I was changing. And it wasn't just subconscious work. It was it was mystical in a sense. Yes. How is it that when I'm looking at myself, everyone else starts healing around me? It's incredible. Incredible. Yeah. That's how important this is. Yes. It's everything. So so let's talk about so in hypnosis, um how what is the process like? So you do what's called an induction um, to get somebody under hypnosis. Really you're guiding them through kind of like a meditative process Mm -hmm. to get into a a state of trance where they feel relaxed in their body, where you're able to visualize, feel, sense. You can get there through meditation as well. You can get there, I'm sure, through different yoga postures. I mean, there's there's many ways to get into that hypnagogic state. Um, but that's what you're doing. You're getting into that relaxed state of trance mm-hmm. so that then we can work with the subconscious mind to show us where is um, where is this limiting belief. Right. What is right. a limiting belief? And that happens when the conscious mind kind of steps aside yes. and allows the subconscious mind to express itself. Yes. And so, does the person talk normally during under hypnosis? Are they talking just normally, but they're having these memories that are coming out? Yeah, up and out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. they're still fully present. They're still fully aware. 
Um, they're very much in control of themselves. Mm-hmm. Like they remember the session. However, it's kind of like, just like you said, al- allowing the conscious mind to step to the side so that the subconscious can do the work. Okay. Because okay. all of the answers are in the subconscious mind. Yes. So yes. when you're in that state, suddenly these emotions that you have suppressed for years and years and years are allowed to come up to the surface to be healed. Right. You know, I'll work with somebody and and ask them very simple questions like, where is that belief in your body? And they just know. Yep. Yep. They feel it. They're experiencing it. And I think it's so deeply healing because they are experiencing it as opposed to me telling them this is where it is. This is what it is. Right. They're, you know, they have that kind of front seat and they're able to do the work themselves with the help of my guidance. And then as they, do they cry? Is there emotion expressed during these things sometimes? Almost always, yes. Okay. Yes, because a lot of times, you know, we we suppress because we're trained even as children, you know, don't cry, it's okay, don't cry, don't cry. And so we learn that it's not acceptable to express emotion. And so I find that even, you know, people that have had wonderful childhoods, you know, and, and wonderful parents and siblings and, and have this wonderful community, even they have trauma that is deep down that needs to be healed. Of course, yes. And sometimes it's probably ancestral trauma, right? That it could absolutely be ancestral as well. And so now we move to the next modality of past life regression that you do. Yep. Also, it's a service that you offer. And so what does that look like? So it's the same going into that state of relaxation, that tranced state. Mm-hmm. Um, but interestingly enough, I, I kind of dived down the, uh, the path of past life regression because I had somebody in a hypnosis session randomly go back to a past life. Oh, wow. And I wasn't really sure where they were. Yeah. And so that's what, what really you know piqued my curiosity. Um, but going back to past lives, yeah, you are healing your your soul. Yeah, exactly. And the themes that come up are the same as in your current life. You know, these patterns, this karma that you carry over. And a lot of times ancestral trauma comes in with it as well. Um, but even in a past life, the emotion is able to be accessed. And that's where majority of the healing occurs. Wow. So once... That trauma, and even if it's ancestral trauma that you're carrying through, once it's healed or released or whatever, is it done then? Is it done? It's not going to come into the next incarnation for the whoever, you know, is that soul then able to release that and not to have to deal with that particular trauma again? I would say yes. Okay. But there are sometimes other traumas that can come up to the surface afterwards. Sure. You know, your mind is always going to protect you and not you know, give you too much that you can't handle. Right, right. Um, so there are instances where you do a lot of healing work and mm-hmm. then, you know, sometime later other patterns can emerge and it just means that you're ready to heal those patterns or, you know, that karma. Sure. So recently I was on a yoga retreat and I had a somatic massage. Um, I did not know what that was and I was absolutely not prepared for what was going to be. This changed my entire life I mean I it's exactly what you're speaking about that when these long-held traumas live inside of us they are 
preventing us from living our fullest existence. So, and a lot of times we can't quite figure out what, where the problem is we, because we're taught to stuff things down and carry on. And so it was an experience of a massage, but of holding, you know, pressure point, you know, pressure points until the breath and the release of that, whatever it is, it was really uh, just a miraculous thing. And there was so much emotion that came out of me. I was like literally crying hysterically and it felt so releasing and healing that I, I, I was just by the end of the hour and 15 minutes or whatever it was, I, I just was um, joyful and lighter and I couldn't even access the fear that I had been carrying around my whole 50 years of life. And so I'm thinking um, that this is just a different way of getting there through hypnosis and past life regression and all these things. I have had past life regression as well and found that, you know, for much of my other lives and incarnations, I was a healer um, when it wasn't so accepted. Um, and so that didn't fare well. And that was probably why I was so full of fear to do it in this life on, at the beginning. And so um, th this is the kind of thing that can hold us back. And we just, you know, why am I afraid of this or that? Um, and so these healing uh, modalities can be very, very helpful in allowing the childhood traumas or past life traumas to come to the surface and then to be released. And it, that's a very freeing experience. So you do that and hypnosis and you, you also do Reiki. Yes. And is there anything else that you do? I do some coaching as well. Coaching? Mm -hmm. So for people that want accountability and different tips and, and just want to feel supported in a little bit of a, a longer term setting, mm -hmm. I, I will support them as well. Yeah. We are in the same building, you and I. And so, um, and, you know, I would like to give you the opportunity if there's anything else that you want to add you know, to the conversation. Um, and then where, where can people find you? Because you do Zoom as well. I do. Things. So, you know, your website and all of that, the information where people can find you. Yeah, so you can connect with me on Instagram. It's healingwith underscore Jenna. My website is healingwithjenna.com. J-E-N-N-A. J-E-N-N-A, yeah. yes. And uh, all of my social media platforms are on my website. So that would be the best place to uh, to reach out to me. And yeah, all my services are available in person or online via Zoom. And you get just the same amount of results on Zoom as you would in person. There is no difference. I will, I will say that being in the same building, I highly recommend that everyone that's listening um, reach out to Jenna because I get to be in her energy space a lot. And she's a beautiful, beautiful human being with so much compassion and she's the real deal i've got to tell you um so um i hope that you will reach out to her um you know we're just not meant to stay in a suffering place and you know jenna and i and millions of other healers out there that have gone through difficult times have endured our own suffering and then found a better way to experience the richness of this life that we are divine beings created by a very loving God who just is trying to help us reach our Dharma and what our true purpose is in this life which is always going to be to love each other to show compassion for each other 
and to use and navigate the suffering that comes along with life as a kind of compass for higher consciousness. So I thank you from the bottom of my heart for being here and talking. Thank you so much. This was amazing. I yeah, really appreciate I, this. And oh, yeah. I can't agree with everything that you just said anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's the more we can share. And again, we're not trying to bash anybody or, or we just, we just want um, people to feel free to express their own journey. If that, we're just here to speak our truth. And our truth is that we just hope that everyone finds um, the most, the highest existence for their own selves. And so I say namaste to you, Jenna. Beautiful soul. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed the conversation today. If you would like to experience healing or give the gift of healing to another, please go to my website, www.hamsaholistichealingandayurveda.com or email me at sherry at hamsaholistichealing.com or you can contact me on Facebook, Sherry Berjanski. I offer Ayurveda consultations, Reiki energy healings, reflexology and Ayurveda foot massage, tarot card readings, angel card readings, and much more. If you found this podcast helpful, please share an episode so that we can spread this wonderful wisdom of healing. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, take care. Namaste.